welcome back to another episode of Not D&D, which is brought to you by EM Live, part of EM World, the leading tabletop news and review site. I'm Jessica. I am back, 50% recovered from COVID, but able to record. Uh, but far more exciting with me this week, I have the guest, uh, Joseph McCullough. Joseph, thank you so much for coming on. No problem. Um, so we are here today uh, to talk about uh, Rangers of Shadow Deep, uh, Shadow Deep even, <laughs> which Joseph... Right. Uh, kindly allowed to rearrange it was meant to be on last week so thank you very much for rearranging that um but before we dive into talking about the game which i'm very excited to talk about um i'd like to chat a little bit about you and your background with gaming and telling stories Mm -hmm. um yeah so i understand you're kind of a a writer and more of a you've previously been uh like kind of tabletop game designer could you talk to us a little bit about that uh sure um why don't i i'll give you my origin story Uh (laughs) yes please that'd be great i love it um so when I was about, I guess, nine years old, uh, my mother worked in a bookstore and I wasn't big into reading at that time. Um, my mm-hmm. father had read me The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, so I was a big fantasy fan, but I, di- I didn't particularly yeah. like reading. But um, one day we were going to, to pick up my mother from work and mm-hmm. we got there early, so we had to kind of mill about the store. And I remember in the back of the store, they had a magazine rack and I saw a copy of Dragon Magazine. And I um, can't remember what number it was, but it had like a walrus man on the cover and a fairy. Okay. And, um, and, I, and I still remember that moment because even though at the time I, I didn't know what D&D was and I didn't understand anything in this magazine, really, I just knew it was for me. I just I like felt yeah. that calling like that. This is this is where you're supposed to be. This is what you're supposed to do. Uh-huh. Um, and luckily, I convinced my, my parents to buy me the magazine. And um mm-hmm. And of course, you can't learn anything about Dungeons and Dragons really from reading Dragon Magazine. <laughs> and I <saw> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, mm-hmm. but it caused me a, a little time later to to buy a copy of the the Red Box at a uh, yard sale, um, and I brought mm-hmm. that home. and And I still really couldn't understand the game. Um, it was too too complex <laughs> for a nine year old. Um, mm-hmm. But and and this is perhaps the the really amazing part of the story. My father saw kind of how hard I was trying to figure it out and and how much I was enjoying that. Then mm-hmm. he went out and he bought a copy of Middle Earth role playing Merp. Um, oh, and, cool! And he learned mm-hmm. how to play it, and he became my first game master. And um, oh, nice! And what's really I think special about that is yeah. so this was the mid '80s um, at a time when role playing was you know not generally a uh, thought of that well and my father's a religious yeah. teacher so you know while a lot of religion was having this kind of we hate role playing it's it's demon worshiping and all that mm-hmm. my father's out there actually teaching me to play it so I thought wow that's that's incredible um yeah. and so he continued to, to teach me for a few years until kind of I understood it well enough he could hand it over and I had some friends to play with yeah. um and so he, he kind of let go of it, it you know he it wasn't really what he was into but he's doing but it then, doing it because he he even painted up some miniatures that we could play with oh amazing you know? so that's, was, that's so awesome it's like you said like now i hear a lot of parents that have grown up with role-playing that play with their children but yeah. like you say in the 80s it was role-playing was kind of this new weird thing that everyone was like oh what is this so that's, yeah. that's so awesome too you had that so there, there probably was an element of he wanted to better understand what his kid was getting into. But I think yeah. once he read mm-hmm. it, he understood this is just a game, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's um, not that scary. And especially if exactly. you go for, like you say, the Lord of the Rings ones, which if you're a fan of the books, you're like, oh, I understand what this yeah. is. It's heroes going on an adventure. 
So um, the, yeah. the irony being, of course, Merp is a much more complicated game than Dungeons. <laughs> <laughs> well, I prepared you for Dungeons and Dragons, then, didn't exactly. it? Like you were like, I can do Merp, I can do anything. <laughs> but yeah, but, but so so what happened next? Who did you start playing okay. with after your your father kind of retired um, so, and put his so GM I hat up away? A few friends at school. Um, and just kind of convinced them that that they were into this too. Um, <laughs> sure, yeah, why not? Um, Easily done. And then, then strangely, the, the the story moves, I guess, to my other parents and so my mother, who was working in this bookstore um, and was also a part time writer. Uh, she was trying to be a romance writer. She is a romance writer now, but at the time, mm-hmm. she was a struggling writer. Um, yeah. And I said to her one day, like, "You're a writer. Why, why don't why don't you and me write write some uh, role playing stuff for Merp?" Mm-hmm. And uh, Incredibly, she actually agreed, and she got in touch with Iron Crown Enterprises, uh, who made the game. And through whatever process, uh, she got hired to to write a supplement for the game. Oh, cool! And um, we did this together. Really, she did most of the writing, and you know, I, I worked out all the stats and and mm-hmm. contributed ideas and stuff. Um, so, but great experience working together. And um, unfortunately, as we finished, Ice was kind of going into bankruptcy, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it did eventually get published. It got um, squashed up with another. I've actually got a copy here. So this is oh, this wow. is my first gaming publication, which is I don't know. Amazing. Yeah, and this is this is actually a really collectible one because, like I said, they were going bankrupt at the time, so it had a really low print run. Yeah, yeah. So, but but I think what's important about that is not so much like that I you know that I have this publication credit, but just mm-hmm. at this really young age. I was shown that these this kind of thing was possible. Yeah, you yeah. Know, like you can write stuff for games, and you can be a published author, and mm-hmm. and that was pretty amazing. Um, and yet, I, there would be no follow up to that for for a long, long time. Okay. Um, so I was still playing the game a lot with friends mm-hmm. friends from high school, um, and then I went off to university and um, mm-hmm. the UNC Chapel Hill, uh, big North Carolina university, mm-hmm. and I didn't I didn't immediately get along with university and, and kind of wanted to go home. But um, then I found the gaming store. And um, so it was a store called Cerebral Hobbies. And mm-hmm. this to me, this store is legendary. It, um, yeah. <laughs> it is the epitome of a game store in the 90s. It was it was literally below ground. You had to walk down a spiral staircase and it was grimy and grungy and completely male dominated and <laughs> you know no one cleaned this store <laughs> but um and basically i spent most of my four years of university in this store and um at the mm-hmm. time even i probably thought i was wasting my time but um as it turns out maybe <laughs> i was getting a really important education <laughs> definitely yeah we played just about every rpg war game mm-hmm. board you know hobby board game at the time over that time mm-hmm. so it was really amazing um, yeah, and gaming and stores are such a community space, aren't they? So I guess that's where you found your community and your tribe when you were there. So absolutely, yeah. And I think I gaming mean, stores, yeah, the gaming stores still do that now. I think as well. You also have loads of great online spaces, but I think going to a gaming store and, and getting to meet other people that are into the same stuff as you is is such an awesome way to to spend your time. <laughs> it was, of course, in those days, it it had a reputation with the rest of the university, and I heard it variously referred mm-hmm. to as the Geek Preserve. And the store for guys with no girlfriends, um, <laughs> both of which were somewhat true. But <laughs> so in, in some ways, I love that gaming stores now are these generally 
clean, open, friendly, inviting spaces. Though there is a part mm -hmm. of me that misses the kind of grunge and underground nature of it. So <laughs> I'm sure some of them still exist. I'm sure I'm there's some sure filthy gaming sorts of places. I, yeah. Probably if I went into one now, I'd be like, oh, yeah. 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 And then nostalgia would go and you're like, oh, yeah. Why exactly. didn't no one clean them? The nostalgia doesn't overcome yeah. the smell. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but while I was there, strangely, while I was doing all this gaming, I was deciding that actually I wanted to be a writer, but I thought I wanted to okay. be a fiction writer. Um, mm -hmm. And so I worked on that kind of for years and years um, and got better and better at it, mm -hmm. um, but never great. Um, you know, I sold a few short stories here and there, but never, never came anywhere close to like, I'm going to make, you know, this a living. Um, mm -hmm. And at the same time, I was kind of going through bad life stuff. Um so I graduated university and moved to Washington, D.C. and was hanging out there and had a day job and was trying to write at night. And it wasn't going anywhere. And um, and then I made one of those decisions that um, you look back in retrospect, doesn't make any sense, but actually it was perhaps something <laughs> really important, <laughs> which was so I decided, you know what, if I'm going to be serious about this writing, I'm going to I'm going to go back to school for it. I'm going to get my master's in creative huh. writing. And I thought, but I'm going to do it in another country. So <laughs> sure. And for some reason, I decided that other country was going to be Wales, um, which Amazing. I, had, yeah. I had been to once for one day while I was backpacking around Europe. Um, so I applied to some schools in Wales, got mm -hmm. accepted by the University of Bangor and, and went over there. And the first thing I realized was there is a huge difference in scale between most American universities and universities in Wales. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I got there and was just absolutely shocked by how small this place was both the university and the town and just kind of how dark and wet and everything it was <laughs> but um yeah <laughs> so it's actually a good place to stay inside and write but um mm -hmm. and I, I i didn't get along with the course at all um just i mm -hmm. didn't get along with my advisor i didn't yeah. get along with the teachers it just wasn't working um, I've heard a lot of creative writing things kind of look down on fantasy or science fiction as well. They're like, that's not real creative writing, even though you're like, <laughs> that's the most creative thing. It's like, make exactly. something that doesn't exist. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Yeah, there was a little element of that yeah. to it, I think. I mm -hmm. mean, in some ways, what idiot kind of goes and wants to do a writing course in a country that's main language is in English, you know? <laughs> <laughs> It's like they all speak Welsh here. I mean, the university was done in English, but yeah, yeah, but still. Um, and as an aside, I ended up not finishing the course, but met the girl and got married, and that's why I'm still here in Britain. But um, okay. <laughs> for the for the purposes of this story, so I wasn't happy with kind of the writing and and doing the fiction writing, and was kind of scrabbling around looking for something else to do, and somehow discovered that um, the Savage World role-playing game was looking for authors um, uh -huh. and I'd been a big fan of the Deadlands role-playing game that, that it's based mm -hmm. on so I got in touch and um, amazingly got basically ended up having a long kind of chat and and work thing with Shane Lacey Hensley who wrote Savage Worlds and, and Deadlands and I ended up writing a little adventure for Savage Worlds that probably isn't that good um, but, <laughs> but being able to work with him even even in a minor capacity and just him giving me a few pointers and and stuff was just hugely uh important i guess you know just to someone who's been there before and, and helping you do it and so that that got published as a little uh online pdf and became my second gaming published publication mm -hmm. um 
And then strangely, there's another gap. I feel like this story is going on really long, but I no, no, it's fine. This is the origin story. <laughs> yeah, this is great. It is I my entire life it. In, in some yeah, ways. no, it's, it's <laughs> I love hearing about it because like there's so many different people I speak to every week, and everyone has a different route into it. And I think it's so interesting, especially for for people listening that maybe like have an idea of how, have aspirations to kind of create tabletop RPGs. It's so interesting hearing about how other people got there. Because, right. yeah, no stories are kind of the same. But, yeah, so I love it. So please, <laughs> carry on, yeah. All right. So, you know, and I feel like I should say, and that's it. That launched me into writing games. But it didn't again. So, it, 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 <laughs> again, kind of, mm -hmm. I took this break. Um, so I got married, uh, like I said. And my wife had to finish up university. So I was stuck in Bangor for, for another year. And, um, and when she graduated, we basically just said, you know, whoever gets a job first, we'll move there. Because um, yeah, neither of us yeah. kind of had a place to go. And um, so I ended up getting a job at Osprey Publishing, which mm -hmm. for those that don't know is a, at the time famous for military history publishing. They do mm -hmm. books on basically every unit ever in a war uh, with nice artwork and, and just telling you all the details and what color their buttons are and stuff like that. And so I loved it because I'm a big history buff and, and a, mm -hmm. a military history buff. And so going there was just, just wonderful. And it also just gave me a place to be, you know, having yeah. essentially immigrated to another country, you know, it gave me a home and a kind of family. Um, and so that was really important. Um, and at the time I was still, I wasn't trying that hard to be a writer, but I was still wanting to, in some sense. And um, mm -hmm. I ended up writing a few books for Osprey that, that aren't military history. Um, okay. One day I, I proposed, you know, what we ought to do, we ought to do a book on zombies. Zombies are hot. Why don't we do an Osprey book? but on zombies and, yeah uh, the person in charge of editorial at the time said that's a great idea you write it and i was like what so yes. <laughs> what i did and mm -hmm. yeah and uh for for a little while after that i was afraid that my, my whole life was going to be defined by the fact that i wrote a zombie book but everybody's like he's an expert on zombies i'm like yeah yeah i guess compared to the layman but um, <laughs> so I, I ended up writing a few but i wrote some kind of quiz books for osprey um I ended up writing a book of Irish history separately, just kind of a little pocket book. So I started to build up this kind of collection of, of random books. I wrote a book on Santa Claus, um, random books I'd published, um, mm -hmm. but they weren't really getting me anywhere. in in some sense, you know, they were mm -hmm. all kind of, I did this cause it was fun, you know, not because it's, it's making me a living. Mm -hmm. And then I guess finally we'll get to the crux of the story, <laughs> which is so uh, during my tenure at Osprey, there was kind of a slow rise of wargaming. So soon after I got there, Osprey published its first war game, mm -hmm. which was called yeah. Field of Glory, which is a very nuts and bolts, tactical, big units, move them around on the table kind of mm -hmm. war game, which isn't really what I'm into. Um, it's very historical. Um, but, you know, it was better than nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's but, gaming. Um, it's, yeah, it's exactly. tabletop games. So I yeah. kind of weaseled my way into that, that department, I, I basically hopped all around Osprey. It was a wonderful mm -hmm. company for letting people kind of follow their passions. Um, and so over the years, Osprey published more and more. Oops, sorry. Sorry, postman. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Osprey published more and more war games. Um, and then one day I was basically sitting around with Phil Smith, who's the, well, he's now the, the head of Osprey Games at the time. He was mm -hmm. the editor in charge of, of publishing war games. And I was basically complaining that none of these kind of modern war games were really what I wanted, which was mm -hmm. I wanted something that was 
more like a role-playing game in truth. I wanted something where you had yeah. your, your band of figures and they got better every time you played and they collected loot and, you know, they got stuff. And, um, and, and <laughs> ironically, he did the same thing as the editor before and said, fine, go away and write one. Um, and he said, and if it's good enough, I'll publish it. So um, amazing. Yeah. And uh, not long after that, my, my wife and I took a holiday to the Lake District. And um, basically, I spent every morning working on this game for two weeks. And then in the afternoon, we'd go for walks. And it was just an absolutely wonderful holiday. And I basically mm-hmm. wrote the game that would become Frostgrave um, mm-hmm. in that two weeks um, as, you know, kind of the greatest creative outpouring of my life in, in a confined mm-hmm. space. It was just like, all of my life's been building up to this. Yay. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so I wrote that and um, the editor really liked it and mm-hmm. kind of decided to make a big deal of it. Um, and North Star Miniatures, who were kind of a partner of Osprey at the time, they mm-hmm. liked it. They wanted to make miniatures for it. And um, so it kind of became this big deal. And um, and when it was released, it, it did really well. And they asked me if I wanted to do a supplement for it. So I did a supplement for it. And um, so I've now written... 14 supplements, I think, for Frostgrave. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, you know, and I'm, there's another one waiting to be published. So it, it's kind of my the main thing I'm known for, I suppose, mm-hmm. in gaming. Um, and I wrote another spinoff game called Ghost Archipelago. And um, and yeah, so that, that I guess, brings brings us up to uh, Rangers of Shadowdeep. Uh, up to <laughs> Rangers of Shadowdeep, where we uh, are now. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean... I, I love that. I love I love hearing people's I always it's always the first question that I kind of ask people is like, how did you get into making games and stuff? So thank you so much for like for sharing that because I, I always find it so I always find it so interesting because the tabletop games industry is still like quite niche and small. So there's not yeah. like it's not like if somebody's like I'm a, a teacher, so I went to school and then you know, got my degree in that and then I went into teach. It's not like that. It's everyone's yeah. got like this 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 route that they they kind of carved and made. Um, so thank you for, for sharing. Um, so Reigns of Shadowdeep, uh, I was really excited to talk to you about this, uh, but could you give us like a, what's your quick elevator pitch for people that, that haven't heard of it? How do you describe the game to people? Okay. Um, so in Rangers of Shadowdeep, you build a character and you go on a series of adventures. So the, the basic story is that you are, you have this kingdom of Alador and it used to have this country called Lorenthia next to it. And then one day Lorenthia just disappeared. It just, completely collapsed and a giant black cloud rolled in. So the, so now the country of Alador ends and there's just like a sea of black clouds out in front of it. And that's the shadow deep. And as they've discovered, um, this is the shadow deeps kind of always been there slowly eating away at countries, but of course it's been far away till now. And so they haven't worried about it, but um, so you are one of the King's Rangers, which uh, Rangers is a job title, not, necessarily a DD ranger you could still be mm-hmm. a major thief or whatever but you're one of the people that the king sends out on special missions and right now your your job is basically get out there try to figure out what the shadow deep is how can we defeat it and not get eaten like all the countries before us um and basically it was an attempt to take some of the mechanics and all the knowledge i'd learned from frostgrave and see if i could push that wargaming one big step closer to, to role-playing um, to the point where I, I wanted to really kind of start blurring the line between the two. Cause you know, if you go back far enough, mm-hmm. the, the line is blurred, you know, role-playing yeah. grew out of wargaming and, and what makes one and what makes the other mm-hmm. is never a hundred percent 
clear. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So, but the first thing I I did is I thought the the great thing for me and the most important thing about role playing is that it's a cooperative experience. Um, yeah. So I was like, I want to make a cooperative, I guess, tabletop miniatures game to start with. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also solo because once you've done one, you've basically done the other. Um, but mm-hmm. and I want to, I want to, I want people to build characters in the same way they kind of build role playing characters. So you, you know, you have stats and skills and equipment mm-hmm. and all this is stuff you can choose and, and modify and um, really yeah. create your own character in your sure. mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and you do have companions, but they're very much kind of like your, you know, your companions. They're they're not your character. They're just other guys that yeah, come yeah. along. Mm-hmm. Um, and and also, so with the skills, because one mm-hmm. thing that that isn't really common in wargaming is well, one thing I don't really like that term when when applied to some of this stuff because I didn't want to make a war game. I, I wanted to make yeah. a tabletop adventure game, and that that's yeah. kind of one of the reasons the skills are in there because. While there is a lot of fighting in this game, there is other things too. Mm-hmm. There is, you know, doing research and solving puzzles and 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 doing sure. that sort of thing. And um, so it is played on a tabletop, um, which can be kind of a traditional war game with lots of beautiful scenery and you know sure, yeah. figures. But a lot of people also just play it with two dimensional tokens and and just draw just to battle map or on a whiteboard yeah. or, or something, mm-hmm. and and you can easily play it that way as well. Um, and, and essentially I've written a, a series of adventures and I, mm-hmm. I can't remember how many it is at this point, but basically they're, they're scenarios, you know, you, you go to this town and you're looking for this and this is how you set up the town and here's where the kind of potential clues are. And, um, and then you run around the board, uh, researching clues and fighting monsters and, and doing things like that. And assuming you succeed, then, then you go on to the next part of the mission. And, um, so you got this kind of ongoing narrative um i suppose one of the big differences between it and most rpgs is in some ways i've tried to keep it more generic because i don't because i Mm -hmm. want you to be free to to imagine it any way you want so it's while it's got this heavy setting a lot of the details are not given you know Mm -hmm. I, i don't specifically say are we talking dark age or are we talking high medieval you can imagine that any way you want it's not relevant to the game um, mm-hmm. as, as the game is played, but it's, it's very relevant to your imagination. Uh, sure. So, so yeah, and I've kind of, I've ended up writing for it um, supplements in, in almost a kind of RPG fashion, you know, here's mm-hmm. your next three adventures and here's your next three adventures. And, um, and I've tried to play around with different ways you could do that. So in one of the ones that's in the main book, the whole mission takes place in a ruined convent. And so you get mm-hmm. to, you get to choose which, rooms you explore and what order you explore it. And that's could be important based on what clues you find and, and you're trying to figure out exactly where, uh, you know, yeah. a specific artifact that you're looking for is. So, um, awesome. And yeah. all of those are on, uh, Modifius uh, website there. So if um, you're watching so, live the, on this, well, yeah. the, the base games there, the base games the there. and uh, the link in the show notes as well, if you are listening uh, to the podcast. But, yeah. So, and then most of the kind of, supplements are on drive through RPG. So okay. I, I actually originally self-published the game mm-hmm. uh, through drive through RPG. And yeah. um, 
Modiphius came came calling and said, we want to publish a, a big, beautiful book. And and I'm a sucker for a big, beautiful book. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, the like, artwork looks very okay. beautiful on there. So <laughs> that sounds great. Um, I love at the beginning how you were talking about um, kind of pushing wargaming towards role-playing. Uh, mm. It's kind of what you said there. And when we were first talking about you coming on the show, we are kind of talking about that because I find uh, tabletop role-playing games like you say it's such a spectrum you have such different games like and if you just look at some of the guests we've had on you have some that are so rules light really freeform almost like improv acting is kind mm. of what you're doing here and then you have all the other end of the scale like you say that is born out of tabletop war games that are, are you know the environment and you're moving around and and the, the fighting element of it is kind of what shines in them and i think it's so interesting that there's this whole space w- where thing, things are and things <laughs> exist. So there's something for everybody. Um, so if um, so, would you say this would be a good game if you if you do wargaming with your friends and you want to get them into role playing games? Would this be kind of a, a good route for that? Do you think is there enough familiarity there for for people that love wargaming? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in some ways, you might even link it to to things like Hero Quest if you didn't uh, have a board. You know, it's it's yeah, it plays a bit more like that, except mm-hmm. with the the, the true beauty of wargaming, which is a completely open table and you know, mm-hmm. you're not defined by squares or anything like that. So you can, mm-hmm. you can do more. Um, and, and the beauty of writing it, a, a mm-hmm. war game that's, that's solo or co-op is that none of the rules matter in the same way that they do when you're playing competitively, mm-hmm. when you're playing competitively, you, you know, you've agreed where you're going to abide by these rules. Um, when you're playing solo and co-op, you know, if you want to change a rule on the fly, you can just mm-hmm. do that. And there's, <laughs> you don't have to worry about anyone but yourself or, or the person you're playing with. And I think mm-hmm. that, and that's something I try to encourage people as they're playing. It's if, if a rule or something is getting in the way of the fun you're having telling this story, then ignore it, you know, mm-hmm. or, you know, just don't worry about it. You know, I, I can't think of a great example, but <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah healing spells aren't allowed to be cast on whatever whatever but you know Mm -hmm. if you think actually it makes sense at this point in the story for a healing spell to to be cast on that then go for it you know because that's that's where the real joy is the joy is not you you can play it as just a kind of tactical exercise you know kind of a big logic puzzle that you're trying to figure Mm -hmm. out but but i think real the real fun is yeah the more you immerse yourself in it and the more you treat it as a role-playing game the the more you're going to get out of it so amazing so with the characters you talked about, what sort of characters are people playing? Like other, you mentioned there's like classes that people can have. So how, what does, what do characters look like? Okay. Um, there's not classes uh, per se. I mean, I think mm-hmm. in some ways we're, we're also trained to think in those terms um, yeah. that, that people do. And, and I did put Rangers on the cover, which I think immediately causes people to go that direction. So I think mm-hmm. most people do actually, at least the first time they play it, build mm-hmm. a Ranger. But yeah. But what, what you're doing is, so basically you have your kind of stat line, uh, you know, your fighting skill and your shooting skill and your movement and, and things like that, which is mm-hmm. kind of wargamey. Um, yeah. But you can modify that. So if you want to be a good archer, you can put more of your, your building points essentially into to shooting. Or if you want to be a knight in shining armor, you can put it in fight and your health. And um, mm-hmm. so you can do that. And then what you have is, and, and one of the ways you really define yourself in, in the game is you have a list of heroic abilities and spells. And these are basically, mm-hmm. well, the heroic abilities are one use items, one use talents during a scenario to basically allow you to cheat, you know, like <laughs> to, to, you know, do more damage, 
uh, escape yeah. from a fight, hide from a monster, that sort of thing. And the spells mm -hmm. are kind of the same thing, but but more magical. Um, mm -hmm. And so it becomes kind of a a resource management as you play. These are, you know, these are my get out of jail free cards. When do I use them? How do I use them? Um, and that's how you kind of define your character. So if you're building the big mm -hmm. knight, you've probably given him lots of, you know, extra points in fighting, but you've probably also given him, you know, heroic abilities that allow him to do more damage or to get into combat quicker or, or things like that. Um, and then, like I said, you've also got a skill list, which is all your things like climbing and reading runes and, and stealth and, and things like that. And these, these will come up in various ways during different adventures. And so you can, if you want, you can make a skill, you can make that thief who's really good at stealth and, mm -hmm. and you know, finding traps and picking locks and that sort of thing. So, so really you, there, you have the freedom to basically construct any type of character you want, at least within mm -hmm. the kind of classic uh, fantasy tropes. <laughs> Amazing. So those are the sort of characters you have. Uh, so if somebody, if they're looking at this and they want to kind of run it, play it with their friends, um, how, what kind of advice would you give somebody for, for playing, uh, you know, Rangers of uh, uh, Shadow Deep for the first time? Okay. Uh, basically, don't worry about it too much. Um, and don't feel like, don't, so like for a scenario, it'll say like, there are four houses here. There's a pond over here, whatever. Do not feel like you need to a get that exactly right. And you do not have to have three dimensional, beautiful painted houses. You know, mm -hmm. when, when I was play testing it, I used a set of Jenga blocks for most things because it's just yeah. easier and quicker. And really it's kind of the footprint of all these things that matters. Mm -hmm. But what, what I've also found, and not just from doing my own games, but from any games, is once you get into them, the things you've built on this table just fade into the background, and, mm -hmm. and the game is playing out in your imagination. So while it's mm -hmm. jingle blocks on the table, you know that it's a house, and you see it as a house. And so, yeah, don't get caught up in those details of, of trying to mm -hmm. build it perfectly. Just dive into that story and, you know if you get into the, the kind of modeling and painting aspect, then great. That, that becomes another aspect of the hobby you can enjoy, yeah. but it's totally unnecessary. Mm -hmm. um, so that's good to hear. Cause I think sometimes it's intimidating, like also financially, cause wargaming yeah. can be an expensive <laughs> hobby. Uh, so it's good to know that you don't have to like immediately start with all this stuff. So you can just, like you say, using Jenga blocks or, or whatever, just to, to yeah, represent got, what's going on. If you've got descent, you know, like you've probably got all the miniatures, you actually need you know mm -hmm. if it says giant rats and you don't have any giant rats you know put a wolf there it doesn't matter you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. amazing this is fantastic so um we talked a little bit obviously you know about the characters and the kind of the style of game it is but what sort of stories are uh you know without giving any spoilers obviously away yeah, too yeah. much what sort of stories are people going to be playing through because you've mentioned that there is obviously combat and it's about fighting mm -hmm. and being heroes but there's also kind of other little elements as well so could you talk us through the kind of stories you'll be telling at the table yeah, so so like the first kind of starter scenario is that the the rangers are sent out because one of their number is missing, um, so they're just trying to find him, and he was carrying this important magic sword. So if if he's dead, bring back the sword. Um, and mm -hmm. so you go to this village, and yeah, it's there's basically two scenarios that are connected. In the first one, you you go to this village that's essentially abandoned, and you're trying to figure mm -hmm. out why. And then yeah. in the second scenario, you, you figured out why, so you're trying to go and um deal with the why deal with the why <laughs> yeah. that's yeah that's a great that's definitely no spoilers in that exactly. so. 
Okay, great. So it's like a very exploring kind of yeah. mystery element uh, to it. So you have the, to figure that yeah. The first one I wrote after putting out the main book was I wanted to, again, kind of stretch the storytelling aspect. So I wrote a, a scenario called Blood Moon, which um, basically your ranger, again, goes to a deserted farm. I, I like deserted mm -hmm. things, apparently. But <laughs> but uh, on the way meets these kind of four militia members who have run away from this because the place has been attacked mm -hmm. and they're trying to run away. And you're like, nope, you got to come back with me and we're going to mm -hmm. go check it out. And um the whole point of the scenario is basically one of those four is a werewolf. And um, so you go to where the werewolves have attacked and there's another okay. werewolf running around. So you're hunting him, but at the same time you're finding clues. And when you kind of cross a specific threshold, you figure, uh Oh, one of those guys is also a werewolf and pop, they become a werewolf and then you have to fight them as well. So, so yeah, there's, there's a big element of kind of, especially as war generally are, I've tried to work in a lot of investigation and, mm -hmm. um, and in some cases, puzzle solving. So some of the adventures use a kind of choose your own adventure style. Yeah. Um, not not so much for the adventure, but like um, as you research, as you find clues, it'll take you to, you know, section four, five, three, and may tell you, you know, make a uh, read runes roll to see if you can read this. And then if so, go to blah, blah, blah. And um, so, yeah. And then if you have this information, it'll help you do different things in the scenario. Um and for, for every scenario, right, I try to like, what is what is new and different about this? And how can I push kind of what Wargaming has done in the past? And, and again, always pushing it towards towards role playing, I guess. But just, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, away from stories that are pure war. I mean, it is it is the story of a war, but yeah, it doesn't mean the fighting is is what it's all about. And, um, you know, so looking for different ways to to work different mechanics and story into there um, so yeah the the overarching story is you are trying to figure out what is the shadow deep mm -hmm. you know what controls it who's behind it um and some of the scenarios have written linked directly to that and others are more kind of like yeah we'll get to that but we got to deal with this immediate crisis <laughs> yeah it feels almost like a, a tv show that's the narrative arc going across but then you've yeah. got these episodes where stuff's happening and sometimes hey it's linked to the arc and sometimes it's just this thing we have to deal with <laughs> so so that's awesome to hear um so you know we, we kind of talked about uh the game kind of um kind of mechanically if you're used to playing because we talked about if you're used to playing war games and you come mm -hmm. to, to play this to get into tabletop uh, but what if you're used to tabletop? So let's say, you know, the D&D the is what you kind of played. Yep. <laughs> uh, what kind of, and you've not played war games, which is kind of the place uh -huh. I'll be coming from. What what kind of differences would you see or what should you be kind of prepared for? What should you expect when you're playing uh, a game of this? Okay. Well, the, the first good news is it uses D20s, so you'll be ready. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> you basically roll D20 for everything. So uh -huh. uh, uh, the fighting is a little different. You basically roll one D20 for you at the same time as you roll a d20 for the bad guy and that mm -hmm. determines who wins the combat and how much damage is done. So in, yeah. in some ways it's combat system is actually simpler than D&D &D mm -hmm. once you've understood it. Um, but I guess. And is there a game master or is this no, everybody? Yeah. So, the, so everybody playing is a character. Yeah. Yep. You're always playing against the scenario. Mm -hmm. um, so for the most part, your monsters aren't very intelligent. You know, they kind of wander at you and attack. Uh, mm -hmm. occasionally you'll meet a bigger monster who has a, a slightly more complex AI system, mm -hmm. but the monsters are just kind of one part of the scenario. So you need, basically you need to fight the monsters to get them out of the way so that you can do these other things. Um, so uh, 
what would I, <laughs> how would I talk to you about this? So, I mean, I think, like I said, if, if you've played D&D or whatever with miniatures, it's going to feel very, very familiar. Okay. Um, you know, I guess the difference being is, at least the way I always played D&D, you kind of mm-hmm. go, I move over there and fight it, you know? And and the game has to go, okay, fine. Whereas in this, obviously, you're moving six inches or mm-hmm. whatever. And so there is there is a little more technical to that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but like you say, if you're used to using battle maps, then I guess yeah. that's kind of similar because when you play D&D with battle maps, you're using, moving X number of squares, which is just a different way of measuring distance i guess so right so nothing too scary or different i love the fact that you don't like you said that there's no gm you are just playing against the game so against you know the book and where things are um so because i think a lot of people are always intimidated to to be the gm and things but in this you don't <laughs> you don't have to be uh yeah. and also from what you said as well because it's cooperative you can play completely solo or with a group of people how many people does the the scenarios play best with um so you can play from one to four. Mm-hmm. Um, after playtesting it a lot and people mm-hmm. playing it, I kind of had to go back and make it tougher for when you play yeah. with three or four. Um, so yeah. now all the scenarios have a challenge level that you use if, if okay, you're using that many people. But but it can basically handle up to four. In theory, it can have it. It can handle any number, but you you kind of it's it's getting kind of slow. Um, yeah. I, mean, I guess one of the key differences is unlike um, when you're role playing. You know, you tend to, you tend to be, you don't expect to die. Um, and mm-hmm. in, in a Rangers of Shadow Deep scenario, you probably won't die, but you and your your companions will get knocked out, kind of in, it mm-hmm. removed as pieces in the game. And then, then you'll check afterwards if you're actually dead or not. Um, okay. So, so <laughs> yeah. instead of kind of, I mean, they do have hit points, but the hit points go pretty fast. Um, okay. So, but like I said, don't think of it as being dying. Think of them as out of the fight and then, as long as they survive, you'll go on to the next one uh, a little okay. banged up and beaten. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think perhaps one of the things about playing is for people that are used to playing with a game master is that understanding there isn't a game master. And that means you have the game master's abilities, you know, that the, yeah. the rules say what happens and, and what you can do. But especially if you're playing on your own kind of table and terrain, there are going to be little quirks and stuff that the rules will answer. Um mm-hmm. And again, like like I said, if you want to ignore the rules in a given moment, you can. Um, and so it's, part of that is going to be that process of discovering how you like to play the game. What's what's the mm-hmm. most fun way of playing it for you? In, in the same way that a role-playing group has to figure that out as mm-hmm. well. You know, do we want to be combat-focused or do we want to, you know, how much do we want to follow the rules exactly and how much are we going to not worry too much about it? And, and mm-hmm. it's the same in that sense. Um, so yeah <laughs> amazing no I, I love the sound of it is there anything about the game uh, you want to talk about that I haven't asked you about or are there, what's the question I should have asked you that I haven't so far <laughs> um, well I guess the one I get asked about a lot is you know is there any mechanic for creating your own scenarios and, and the flat <laughs> answer is no I've never written that um, although you know I've now written I don't know, 30 scenarios or something and fans have written mm-hmm. more. You can get them on the Facebook page. So you're, you're probably not going to run out, but, um, but then this becomes another aspect of the hobby that you can mm-hmm. dive into if you want to this kind of scenario building. Cause while I'm giving you again, that overarching narrative, you may yeah. find as you play, you know, your characters are taking on even more character and you realize, 
actually, I really want them to go do X, or this was mentioned in a scenario and I really want to explore that more, um, mm -hmm. but the scenario doesn't go that way. You know, I hope and have seen that players will create their own scenarios to, to do yeah. these other parts, you know, and, and again, kind of take on that role of game master in, in creating the scenario, except that you're creating it completely for yourself. Um, so I guess one of the things I like about it is, uh, you know, solo role-playing is an idea that's really grown a yeah. lot in, yeah. in the last few years. Most of that that I've seen has been very much of a kind of journal writing school. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, and this isn't that. This is mm -hmm. this is what I think of as this is another way to solo role play. Yeah. And it does involve more pieces and, mm -hmm. and doesn't have kind of, I mean, it does have the ultimate freedom if you're willing to explore it. It doesn't quite have the same mm -hmm. ultimate freedom of just writing a journal. But um, yeah. But for those who like a little more of the, the crunch, I guess, this this might be a solo role-playing game for them. Yeah. It, it feels, some elements remind me a bit of like a, a solo uh, board game or something like that, yeah. a, a co-op board game. It's it's that sort of, it's it, if, you, if you like that sort of thing, this this is gonna, isn't going to be a thousand miles away from that. So <laughs> Yeah, like I said, it's kind of like HeroQuest, except you've yanked the board. After yeah. And, and I, I love HeroQuest. HeroQuest was my, the game I played when I was younger, which kind of started the whole, my whole kind of uh, okay. <laughs> origin story, as you called it, which I love, which I might ask people on the show now, but like, tell me about your origin story. Because uh, I think that's a great way uh, to frame it. Um, so we're coming up near to the end uh, of our okay. time. If people have uh, questions for you um, about your origin story or about yep. the game, where's the best place for people to catch you online to, to follow uh, you about that? So I've got I've got a website. It's just mm -hmm. josephamacala.com, which is mainly just mm -hmm. a dumping ground. So like a big bibliography. So I remember all the things I've written because I've mm -hmm. now written enough that I start to lose track, but, but like there's your a, online um, CV. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a box on there. You can message me. Um, I also mm -hmm. have my own blog, which is the Renaissance troll, uh, mm -hmm. dot com, mm -hmm. which is more about my hobby. It's, it's mainly painted miniatures and nice. books I like and mm -hmm. um, stuff like that. So you can check it out there. Mm -hmm. And then all my games, including Rangers of Shadow Deep have pretty active Facebook pages and i try to jump on there once or twice okay. a week and, and just answer any questions or tell people how great their stuff looks and <laughs> tell awesome. them not to worry and just have fun um so, yeah and is that so, where the the fan made scenarios are as well so where people can find yeah, them so there's a, um, yeah. in the files section there mm -hmm. um there's there's also there's a decent following on board game geek and, and reddit but i think facebook is probably where you'll find the most stuff and the most activity um, so Okay, awesome. Go to check it out there. Um, my last question uh, to ask yep. you, which I didn't actually prepare you for, which I normally do, so I apologize, um, <laughs> is just what um, kind of tabletop role-playing games would you recommend to people? And uh, the rules I have for these is it can't be Dungeons & Dragons and it can't be a okay. game that you've made. All right. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, we just talked about the game that you've made. So. Um, well, any, anywhere in the history of role-playing. <laughs> anywhere, anything, yeah. Just I mean, any tabletop game, uh, role-playing games that you'd say to people... You should try okay. this. I really like it. Um, I think I think everyone should read Ars Magica because I okay. think while it's while it's very complex, it's just an incredible work. Um, mm -hmm. it, it actually presents a magic system in which you can literally do anything that you can think of. Wow! You know, from casting any kind of spell to creating a familiar to making magic items, and and it's just got a really cool setting. Um, but like I said, it is quite numbers heavy um which won't be for everyone um if you like 
really action oriented, I would I would go Savage Worlds. I think it's still a great one for just yeah fast action play, which which a lot of games don't do that well. Um, what else? I just I just love them all. So <laughs> yeah, no, those are two great recommendations. Yeah, strangely, strangly, I've actually probably played yeah. GURPS the most in my life, which as I know well, is yeah. kind of out of vogue as being crunchy, even though I never. I personally never found it really crunchy. Maybe that's because I just ignored half the rules. But maybe, <laughs> but it's its ability to make literally, literally any type of character you can imagine. I think is kind of mm-hmm. unparalleled, um, and to to make that work mechanically. I mean, obviously, you can make any kind of character you want for any game, but to kind of have have rules for that too is pretty fantastic. Um, Oh, but there's three I've, great I've, recommendations there. Yeah. Unless there's anything else. Going, but... <laughs> you can go, well, yeah. yeah we're two nerds on a podcast talking about playing games. But... Of course we can. <laughs> okay, well, there's some three great places for people to start. So thank you so much. Um, yeah, and Joe, thank you so much for coming on and yeah. uh, giving up your time to share your game with us. Again, so that is uh, Ranges of Shadow Deep, which you can get on uh, modifius.net and also on DriveThruRPG for all the follow-up supplements when you... If when you get through everything there, and of course on the Facebook groups for all the fan made stuff as well. If you if you yeah. really run out of things, um, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. Okay. Uh, so we'll be back next week with not D and D. So we're having a different pace of game again. So we're having damn the mat. Down the Man, Save the Music, uh, which is about uh, saving your local record store in your town. Uh, but we'll talk about that a little bit more next week. Uh, but for now, I'll say goodbye. Thank you very much. Bye.